are Emily and Blair and welcome to Elevating Business, the podcast which focuses in on all the things around starting a business online, growing that business and doing so in a way that is healthy and enjoyable to you. Are you struggling with the process, the hype and the many online options out there? Each week we publish three podcasts on Monday, Wednesday and Friday to help you with all the pain points you may come across in your business journey, including many tips to keep you and your business healthy and thriving. So, before we dive in, be sure to visit our website at emilyandblair.com, which you can use to work your way through starting a business online, step-by-step, and it's completely free. Hi, welcome to episode 14, Assessing Businesses to Buy, some tips to follow. Thanks, Emily. Yeah, look, we wanted to run through a bit of an episode about uh, some broad things to look at when you're looking to buy an online business rather than building it. So there's some key things you need to look at if you're browsing broker websites like flipper.com or EFE International or any of the other ones. So just a quick note, what we're talking about here is a high-level review looking at a business, and it's not detailed due diligence. Um, So we'll be going deeper into due diligence in the next episode, Um, so stay tuned for that one. So firstly, the the first thing I always look at is, does the business sell or do something that actually interests you? Now, you know, when you're looking on these websites, you will see a real wide range of different niches and different products and things like that. So you want to have a look at them and, and focus on something that's actually of interest to you. Um, now, the main reason for that is because longer term, if you have little interest in the niche or the product, then it'll be harder for you to maintain enthusiasm in that in that business. So you want to choose something that's actually, you know, gets your wheels turning because then you'll put the effort in that you that you should do. Um, whereas longer term, you you know, your interest in it will fade if you're not interested in the actual product. Um, one thing to look at is, are you working with a business broker? So some of these sites are sold by their owners and some of them go through a business broker. Now, it's quite good if you're dealing with a business broker because then you can you can ask them how many people are currently looking at the business. Uh, and that's an important thing because it'll give you a feel for the demand or the popularity of the offer. You know, And it'll also allow you to plan your timeline into deeper investigation of the business. So, for example, you know, you might have a business which is really popular. You know, it might sell reasonably quickly. So if you talk to your broker or the broker that's selling that business and they've got 100 people that are interested in it, then you're going to have a very short time to actually do your investigations. Uh, And so it'll just give you a bit of an idea of the time frame you've got to work through to analyze whether you think that business is a good buy or not. So another item to check with the broker is how long the website has been for sale for, um, and also if it's the first time it's been listed for sale. Uh, Now, the reason why you'd want to check that is because if it's been listed for a long time, it possibly means that there are issues with the business because obviously, you know, if if it's doing well and it's priced well, it should sell. So if it's been on the market for a while, it could mean that people have looked at it and gone, no, I don't want that because of this reason or that reason. So it's always a good thing to look at and and take into consideration. The other uh, reason is, you know, if it's for sale for the second or third time, you might want to ask the broker why it's for sale. 
you know, again and again, because um, that could also indicate an issue with the business. One key question, which you see a lot of, is questioning the current owner, why they're selling the business. And, you know, a lot of the time you'll also get that sort of fairly standard answer from a business owner that they need funds to um, focus on another product or niche that they're developing. And so they want to sell this business and move on. Um, but it's one of those things where, um, you know, I think, Emily, you said to me, one time, well, you know, if if, the, if it's doing so well, why are they selling it? Uh, and, you know, it's a valid point and it's something I really, really get stuck into the sellers with and, and just try and glean more information out. So you um, can contact them with that? Yeah, a lot of the time you can. It just it depends what you what website you're looking at to buy it through or which broker you're, you're working through. Sometimes you'll only deal with, directly with the broker. Sometimes you can deal directly with the seller. It really does depend on the situation in the business. The other one that I like to question is how long have they owned the business for? If, well, I guess if they've owned it for six months, then I would be questioning a lot more about why they're selling it. Maybe they've found there's something wrong with it and they want to flip it on. If they've owned it for six years, then you know, it's probably a lot more valid. Um, they've had it for a long time. They'll have a lot more information about the business because they've owned it for such a long time. Presumably so, you can get hold of the stats as well, how it's been doing, like a little graph. Oh, definitely, yeah. So you'll, you'll, have, um, you'll have information provided by the broker. Normally that's financial information um, and traffic information. So you can see that generally from the outset without going too deep into it. But the other other one to focus on, I guess, is to, which I always like doing, is seeing if they're willing to do vendor financing. Now, ven vendor financing is where the seller effectively leaves money in the business for a period of time. Now, basically what that means is that, that they're saying that they will, they will commit to a period of time to leave money in the business and they'll let you pay them back that amount over that six or 12 months that they're still in the business with the profits that you're making. Um, so there's a couple of good things with that. One, you get the commitment for another 12 months or six months or whatever the period is. And, and the point with that is that um, if it's a business that's got issues, they're going to be very unlikely to want to hang around in it. So if they're, if they're keen to do vendor financing, that's a really good thing because it means that probably the business is good and it is what they say it is. Um, the other thing with vendor financing, it is actually a uh, cunning way to actually buy a business possibly beyond your financial means. So for example, if you were if you were going to look for a business for say $100,000 uh, and you found a business which was for sale $200,000, you might be able to negotiate with the vendor or the seller to leave their $100,000 in the business and that way it allows you to then buy a business double the value of what you were going to originally pay out for your business. So um, obviously, yeah, it's, it, there's a higher risk with that technique and there's also the fact that you've got to pay that $100,000 off over that six to 12 months. But, you know, generally speaking with a business of, of that value, you know, you should be getting returns to enable you to, um, you know, pay that off or certainly a large sum of it. Um, so that's, that's a little tip there. 
one of the other things I look at doing is, is doing quite a lot of research around the seller themselves. So I'll always Google them. I'll always Google their name. I'll look on Facebook for them. I'll, you know, search a bit of social media for them, Instagram and Twitter. I'll also, you know, have a look at their business name. So not, not the not the product or the website name, but the actual company name in behind the business. And a lot of the times there are two different things. So abc.com could actually be owned by Johnson and Smith uh, Limited. So, you know, it's it's normally the business name behind the scenes that you've got to look up at. And it's amazing what's on Google these days. So you can actually find out quite a bit of information about people. You kind of got to act like you're a bit of an investigator or a detective in, in trying to trying to find issues in the business. And, you know, you will find things that are wrong, but because not every business is perfectly squeaky clean. Um, all businesses have issues. It's just whether you're willing to accept those issues for the price that they're uh, wanting to sell it for. The key thing is to look at the last 12 months of financials and you need to verify that these are correct and valid. Um, are they just on an Excel spreadsheet put together by the seller? Or do they come from accounting software? Like, are they a report generated out of QuickBooks or FreshBooks? Um, because that, if it's that situation, then it's a lot more valid and real than a spreadsheet put together by someone. I often have my accountant or my bookkeeper review these financials for discrepancies. So it's good just to have another pair of eyes who are professionals look over the financial side of things. But I always push for 12 months worth of financials. I wouldn't, I generally wouldn't buy a business with only six months of financials because a lot of businesses have trends and they go, you know, they might be a product-based business which goes really well at Christmas and does really poorly in the middle of the year. And so if they've only got the Christmas figures and they're trying to set the value of business off the Christmas figures, then, you know, it's actually not a fair representation of the profitability of that business. One of the things that people get wound up with is the price, you know, and it's it's something that you need to be flexible with. So you got to look at the price and compare that against the financials. You know, is it realistic for the financial performance of the business? The price is basically what you're willing to pay for it and what the buyer is willing to accept. So don't be fooled by the list price. Negotiate. Always negotiate. I don't think I've ever paid for an online business based off the list price. That's always been a negotiation based off a number of factors. Can you get a professional valuation? Yeah, that's a good question, Emily. Um, there are websites and brokerages that do offer professional valuation services. Uh, one that I've used more is FE International. Uh, they're a very good service in terms of being able to do a really good online valuation for a decent price and we'll put their web address in our show notes. So basically, all of the points that I've mentioned are just an overview of some really basic straight-up points that you should be able to throw at any business that you're looking to buy and just make an, a decision on what you, what you want to do, whether you just find some issues with it and you don't want to proceed or whether you're happy with that and you want to go into deeper due diligence. If you're looking for further information and what to consider when buying an online business, then you can go to our website at emilyandblair.com where we've got resources, checklists, and other information to help you on your journey. 
And now Emily's going to uh, have a run through some more brain food ideas. Yeah, so in our last episode, we started to look at brain foods and why they're so important for you and what some of the brain foods are that you can eat and how to start eating them more regularly in your diet. So brain foods, they're foods which are rich in antioxidants, vitamins, minerals and healthy fats, which all contribute to having more energy naturally than going for a strong coffee, um, which is just a, you know, a short-term fix. These are foods which are going to do it naturally and give you that energy throughout the day. They help to increase your alertness, your attention span, and help the mind to process information. As we said in the last episode, all these things are so important um, when you have so much going on in your day. So we're going to look at what some of these foods are and how we can get them in your diet. Last week, we looked at beetroot, avocado, and broccoli. That was in episode 13, if you want to catch up on that. And today, we're going to look at three different ones. So we're going to start with dark chocolate. Dark chocolate is a really good way of increasing your blood flow to the brain. Now, it's important that you don't just eat any old dark chocolate. It's important that you look at the percentage of cocoa content in the chocolate. That's the important bit. The higher the content of cocoa, the less sugars and other things that have been added to that chocolate. Now, I recommend going for anything 70% or above really in order to be getting the benefits from the dark chocolate. Milk chocolate and white chocolate are far too high in refined sugar, which means they're highly processed with ingredients and don't provide the same benefit as dark chocolate does. Dark chocolate is particularly high in antioxidants and anti-inflammatory properties. And as I said, to get those benefits, you just need to be checking that there is a high percentage of cocoa. So how can you eat more dark chocolate? Well, Simply just buying a bar of chocolate and having some of it is a great, great way. But also just grating on top of granola or adding to your daily smoothie. Little things like that are just adding small amounts into your daily routine without adding something extra as such. Um, it's also really good at making you feel happy. It releases those endorphins. The next food we're going to look at is salmon. Now salmon is very high in omega-3 fatty acids. These help reduce brain fog and increase your memory and concentration. Studies show consuming foods that are high in these fatty acids can help reduce the symptoms of all sorts of things such as ADHD and the risk of developing certain cancers. So how can we get more salmon into our diet? I particularly love sushi so often when we buy salmon we will not actually cook it too much. If you sear the outside of the salmon, you have killed any bacteria that might be on that salmon and therefore be absolutely fine eating it then raw. So we often sear it, get rid of that, that bacteria on the outside and then we'll leave it to cool and slice it and have it raw. Another way of having it raw is um, marinating it, which cures the salmon. So laminate it in lemon juice and lime juice and then you slice off that outer edge and then it's really nice chopped up in what's called a poke bowl so it's mixed with rice and vegetables such as adami beans it's really really nice we often have it just baked as well it's really lovely with a slice of oranges and cranberries and also goes really well with broccoli which we mentioned as being a brain food in uh, the previous episode so two hits in one there and the third food we're going to look at is walnuts which are rich in minerals vitamins and antioxidants and because it's a nut it's great to have in your bag great for snacking on, 
it increases your memory, alertness, and concentration. Studies show including walnuts regularly in your diet can help decrease the risk of Alzheimer's disease. And they're just a healthy snack on their own or as a treat, adding them to cookies and your baking, on top of ice cream. My personal favourite is to sprinkle on top of uh, Greek yogurt and honey with raisins. So there you go, another three uh, foods to add to your diet. Yeah, that's really interesting. And um, I guess with the dark chocolate and, and the walnuts are really good because they're just snacking food, so you can have yeah. them at your desk if you're working, you know. And so it's not necessarily about doing meals and things. It's also about good snack foods. Well, when so you've not got the time, yeah. you know, it's better than um, just junk a non-junk food. food. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's some really good uh, ideas there, Emily. And yeah, um, yeah look, we'll... Um, Leave it there for this episode. In episode 15, we're going to have a look at some more detailed due diligence. So uh, we hope you'll join us for that one. And some more brain food. Thanks, guys. Thanks. And that's a wrap for this episode of Elevating Business. Thanks so much for being part of our show, and we love being able to share with you. Any links and resources mentioned in this episode can be found in the episode notes on our website, emilyandblair.com. And remember that our website is a huge resource for free, step-by-step guides and articles for starting a business online and working through the journey. If you like what you're hearing, then please subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend. That's all for now, and we'll see you in a few days' time with our next instalment of Elevating Business. Now go do something today that will make tomorrow better.